Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Oh, the kids are leaving. Brother, uh, Pastor Pete, before you leave, I just want to let you know that I have full security cameras that are recorded on my trailer. So whatever joke you do, I will get on camera. Everywhere, the entire thing, 360 degree. And I have a satellite over top, too. Since you're leaving, I know him. I don't think I've ever had a conversation with him that he didn't tell me about a prank he did on somebody. Praise the Lord. Uh, where, where was I? John chapter 4. John chapter 4. All right, it's good to be here. If you're here today, if you could do me a favor and raise your hand. Let's see who I'm speaking to. And Okay, now I know who's awake and not awake. And we're ready to go. Praise the Lord. So I was asked by a few people to introduce my family because we have new people. Uh, I am Jason Mann. I am a missionary to Europe. I'll talk about that in just a moment. My wife is Senya. She can raise her hand. They all look about the same now. They're all grown up. My uh, oldest daughter is Laura there in the middle. And then the youngest is Heidi. And then we have an 18-year-old son who is in Bible college up in Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, so that is the Mann family. And we also have two attack dogs in our trailer uh, that I did not tell Pastor Pete about. Uh, No, they're a little Maltese. They wouldn't do anything. (laughs) They would run away. Uh, but anyways, we praise the Lord uh, for our uh, trailer. He, uh, I was able to make that from a cargo trailer, and it's now our home. And uh, if you would like to see the inside, just uh, let us know. We'll be glad to take you in. I know Pastor Prime wants a tour, and uh, he probably wants all the details of the build too, doesn't he? Yeah, I've heard he's a builder, so we'll talk about that for a little while. Um, so uh, today we're going to look at just a phrase Uh, But I'm going to say some things and all that stuff before I get there. But let's look at the phrase. It's in John chapter 4, verse number 10. It says, if thou knowest the gift of God. Man, that's enough. That's enough. Just know the gift of God. What time do you guys want to eat your subs? About 2, 2.30? Are you ready now? Is that what you said? (laughs) Uh, Let's pray. Father God, thank you for an opportunity to preach your word. Father, my goal is always is that they just love you just a little bit more by the time we're done. Father, help us to grow in you and through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, there are a lot of new faces here, and uh, it is a pleasure to be here. Uh, There's, um, i got to choose my words wisely here. There's some faces we've seen quite a bit uh, before. Uh, I was going to say some older faces, but that would be the wrong thing to say, right? And uh, so uh, we just want to thank the Lord for Lighthouse Baptist Church. And uh, it was, I think, 2012 that we first came here. Uh, We dropped in on a Sunday night, and I said to Pastor Horn, "Uh, I think I'm going to be a missionary someday. Because, you know, he's trying to get to know me a little bit. And he goes, oh, well, when you are, come back. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) And uh, we praise the Lord for that. And um, uh, we were in Hungary for five years and served the Lord there. Uh, So if you see our name badge back there on the mission board, it says Hungary. Uh, We have left that field. The Lord directed us to start reaching Europe ministries. 
And in a nutshell, it's a ministry of encouraging others uh, on the field and off the field. And it's a ministry of engaging uh, the local church with missions in Europe. Uh, there's uh, a major need for uh, encouragers of missionaries in order to keep them on the field. And, uh, you know, traveling around the first time of deputation, I would hear a preacher say all the time how discouraged they were that missionaries would leave the field, but not one pastor said, we're doing something about it. And uh, so just different things that the Lord led me through. Uh, that's part of it. Uh, part of it is establishing local independent Baptist churches, because that is the ultimate goal, is to reproduce what this church is somewhere else. And uh, so we're doing that in Macedonia, North Macedonia there. It's... Uh, it's a new country. It just got going in the early 90s, and uh, they're just a couple of years from getting their own flag, their own language, and find, trying to figure out who they are as people. Uh, but they need to know who they are in Christ, and uh, currently they're lost and headed to hell, so we're going to bring the message of uh, God to them. And uh, so that's the goal, and that's the ministry in a nutshell. And, of course, we can talk about that over submarines and not in submarines, but over submarines uh, during lunch, uh, if you have other questions on that. Uh, so this, John chapter 4, and uh, I mentioned in Sunday school that chapter 17 followed 16. That it's the same is true here. Chapter 4 follows chapter 3. And uh, so there's a lot going on there, and Jesus' ministry is getting going. And, uh, of course, we... Um, We've already seen a water turn into wine there in chapter 2. And chapter 3 is all about the conversation with Nicodemus and things of that nature. And then there's the, the, the testimony of John the Baptist that we find. And the ministry of Christ is getting going. And uh, as we continue through the book of John that we won't do today, we see that ministry uh, flourish and uh, his, his uh, revelation, his revealing of who he is comes true. Uh, over and over again. And we find just a little bit about that here in John chapter 4. Uh, but the phrase is, knowest the gift of God. And I've heard this, uh, John chapter 4, the woman at the well, and uh, going, you know, must needs go Samaria. And I've heard a lot of messages about John chapter 4 and all of these different things. I don't know if I've ever heard a message on these uh, five words here, knowest the gift of God. And uh, that's what we're going to uh, focus on today. In context, we'll start with verse number one and we'll do some reading, uh, but we'll get there in a little bit. This question and this statement as told by the Savior to a sinner. And uh, we want to keep that relationship in mind that he is not at this well uh, except as a Savior. He's there. He's seeking the lost. That's what he says in other places. And the impact of the question rings true then and it rings true today. And we actually, uh, if we actually knew this gift, the gift of God there, if we actually knew this gift, if we understood this gift, if we realized that this gift of God was by grace and it was to the undeserved sinner, by that, that's me, that's you, we are the undeserved sinner. If we truly understood that, then missions, then sending, then giving, then the reaping of the harvest would not be a problem. Uh, think about that. If there was a burning house, uh, except for Joan, she's not here to defend herself, but she told me a story of when she was a girl and the garage next door is burning down and she slept through it. So except for that search. But if there was a burning house, you would help. I think anybody would do that. If, if you were driving down the road and you saw a car accident, you'd probably stop and help. 
And, but how true do we transfer that into salvation, into saving souls? And uh, you know, it's, it's utmost important that we be uh, about the Father's business and telling people about Christ. So the trouble is we generally do not understand the gift of God. We do not completely understand how Jesus left heaven, because we've never been there, so we don't understand it, and came to earth. We're here. It's what we know. And, uh, you know, a pig doesn't know he lives in a, in a dirty, mucky mess, right? That's just where he lives. But we see a pig, we're like, oh, that's gross and dirty. And, uh, you know, our two little dogs went for a walk this morning, and they came back in the, in the trailer there, and they wanted to hop into bed, and just like they always do. But they were filthy from being out in the, in the dew-covered grass. So we're like, no, don't do that. You know, they didn't know that they were dirty. And we live in this sinful world, and sometimes I feel like we don't know that we're sinful because we live in it. But Jesus knows and knew, and he left heaven to come to this wicked earth to, to be that sacrifice. John 4 focuses mainly, as it is preached uh, on the woman, it's also preached on the men in the town and preached on the 5,000s, and it's preached on the water. And I hear about the Samaritan, the outcast, the unwanted, the lady that knew so many things and so many uh, men, uh, but she was ashamed and, and uh, things of that nature. We, we hear messages, and this is kind of the, the umbrella subject there, uh, but the messages on this statement, if thou knowest the gift of God, I don't think I've heard too much about. John 4 is known there as this woman at the well. The story is familiar, and the focus is on that and the other, but the message of the passage can be lost in the preaching of the details. And uh, I think so often that might be true, that we get excited about the details, we miss the point. And, uh, you know, uh, what matters, what really matters most of all in life is knowing the gift of God. That's what matters. Uh, later we're going to eat, and it's going to be good. I've never been to a Baptist church and have bad food, so therefore I can predict based on past experiences it's going to be good, and we're going to enjoy the fellowship but, you know, later on tonight, I'll probably eat again because that food that we eat won't be enough. And then tomorrow, I'll probably do it again. And, it, and uh, next week, I'll, I'll do it again. And as you can tell, I do it quite often. Right? Why are you laughing? And that's, that's what we do, right? And, uh, you know, we go to work so that we can pay for the bank's house. We go to work so that we can pay the electric bills, bills right? And we just do that over and over and over and over and does it really matter? I mean, in the moment, yeah, but eternally? Uh, I've heard it said before that in 100 years, nobody will know who you are. Uh, who is your great-great-grandfather? I personally have no idea. No idea. He was important to him in his life, right? I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for him. I wouldn't be here without him, right? But at the same time, I have no idea what his name was. I know my grandfather's name, but I don't know my grandfather's grandfather's name. So what's important? What's, what's the focus of our life needs to be? That we know the gift of God. That we know the gift of God. What's important to us? The preacher, the Song of Solomon and Solomon himself, there in Ecclesiastes 1-2, says, Life is but a vapor, vanity of vanities. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? We go to church, we go home, we invest in things, we invest in sports, we invest in uh, little trinkets, we remember the Beanie Baby stage? 
Man, my mom still has Beanie Babies everywhere. They're not worth a dime, you know? Maybe a dime, but you know what I mean? He's, we invest in things, entertainment and such, and what does it really matter? What does it matter? I mean, the craze was to go get the, all the Beanie Babies, and now they're just sitting around there getting dusty, right? And what does it really matter? We get into ruts in our life, doing the same thing over and over again. We call it living, but as a Christian, is this what we're called to do? Yeah, and what we do needs to be done because it's for Christ. Because the things that are eternal are the things for Christ. Jesus saw things differently. He saw a world that needs to receive salvation. He saw the need, not the problem. Now, how often do we look at a problem and miss the need? A friend, I was just talking with a guy that, that we met on Facebook, and we finally met face-to-face. He's an unsaved man. And he, he, he verbally has rejected Christ in, in, in uh, conversation with me and wants nothing to do with it. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he was telling me about his son who tried to kill himself by running into traffic because he has all these problems. Well, the problems is because he doesn't have Jesus. But the focus is on fixing the problems. And, you know, drug addicts go to drug rehab and they take away the drugs. That's not the problem. The problem is they need Jesus. Same with us today. We have a problem. It's a sin need. And Jesus fixed the problem by fixing the sin problem. I would guess that most of us here are good people. Are you a good person? Yeah. And some are like, eh. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, we're probably all Americans for the most part. And God-fearing, and you're, you love to go to church, you're here today, and, and all that, and, you know, we love the flag flying, and, and uh, you know, apple pie, as American as can be, right, all that. Man, I want some pie right now, that sounds good. And, uh, <clears throat> but are we satisfied? Are we satisfied with a sip? Here we find that this lady we're going to look at, that she, she was going to give a drink. Are we satisfied with a sip of God? instead of being fulfilled in the fountain of the Savior. In the fountain of the Savior. We go where we are comfortable, we do that it is easy, and the hard things can be done by others. That's just, that's just who we are. That's our sinful nature, to do that which is easy, and not do that which is hard. John chapter 4, verse number 1. Let's read the first 10 verses. Uh, if you're able... Could you please stand with me as we read God's word? It's been a while since we stretched. Verse number one, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made the baptism more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And this tells us that he's on a journey. And uh, verse number four, And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called uh, Sychra, near the, uh, to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied in his, in his, with his journey, as, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, 
How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who is it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. You, you may be seated. Uh, what, what a... What a statement. That lady wasn't ready for that conversation that day, was she? Uh, She was doing what I described earlier. She was living her life, doing what she does, going to the well, getting water, providing for her needs, day in, day out, doing the same. But this day was different. This day she found a man there, and this man asked of her for a drink of water. And... uh, what a difference that makes. Think about the passage along the path uh, that Jesus and the disciples are walking. And, and uh, you know, that was their transportation. They didn't have Ubers and they didn't, you know, Uber camels or anything like that. They had to walk or, or do things of that nature. And there was no Chick-fil-A then. And uh, so that was a terrible way to tra- travel, right? Uh, there was no app that they could order food that we do today. Uh, but this was the normal traveling for them. They would They would journey from well to well, city to city, and... When they would get to the well, they would uh, get some water and some rest and refreshment. And, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, we find all throughout the Old Testament uh, different places where wells are. And we find the, there's a, the, a lot of stories and a lot of action and a lot of wars over wells and different things. And, and in, in here, uh, in, in the Old Testament, we have um, wells as pictures of things. And it's just a few of those things. They represent the supply and the provision of God. And we can find that over in Numbers and how wells will, will do that. Uh, we can speak about wells where there's encounters with God. And uh, you think about uh, Hagar was at a spring, and that's when God came to her and told her to go back to Abraham and, and different events. And um, there's encounters of worship at wells and of different things there and they would name the wells when Isaac arrived in Beersheba uh, and the first thing he did was build an altar and he dug a well and it was the well of an oath there in Genesis 25 and he worshiped the Lord and the, the Bible speaks of wells of salvation in Isaiah 12 it speaks of wells of, of a generational thing we find that here in Jacob's well and, and how it went from generation to generation to generation and uh, in fact, if you follow this path from Jacob's well, you can follow it all through Scripture. It, it comes up quite often. It's a pretty cool study that I had to do in college. And, um, but the well is, um, it represents the Holy Spirit. It represents a symbolic of our hearts and what comes out of us. It represents the places of divine appointments. Uh, so uh, we could, we could uh, wrap up a whole bunch of things inside of this meeting at the well and how uh, this lady had a divine appointment this lady was given an everlasting life through this well and different things and it can be a picture of missions uh, you know to, to build this well it was it wasn't just one person typically it was a group of people were working together to dig the hole to build the bricks and all of this stuff there's a, a lot of people involved in wells and that's just a very small glimpse of what wells can be uh, throughout scripture but as a picture of missions we labor together to reach the world 
with the word of God and his everlasting water of eternal life. And, and verse number 10 there is where we get the message. It's the knowest the gift of God. Uh, she knew, as we find here in verse number 12, it says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? She knew religious history. She knew her religious past. And how many people uh, know their religious past and stand there and hold on to that, but they don't hold on to truth? Uh, in Hungary, that was the big thing. Uh, you, your grandmother was a Catholic, and if you don't hold to the Catholic faith, you're going to disappoint the family. And, well, that's not the point. The point is that Jesus Christ is the answer, the solution to the problem of sin, not the Catholic Church. And a friend of mine is a Jewish man, and I gave him the gospel, and he said, I hear what you are saying, and I deny it, because if it's true, my mother is burning in hell. And I will not accept Christ, because I will not go to heaven without my mother. He's holding on to a religious past. And that's what she's doing here. Verse 12, it says, You know the father, or Jacob, our father, which gave us this well and drank thereon, and his children, and his cattle. And how often does family get in the way of salvation? Of salvation. But what, um, you know, I've knocked on thousands of doors and talked to a lot of people, and I hear the same thing, religious history, and uh, no thanks, I'm Buddhist, and no thanks, I'm Muslim, and no thanks, I'm Catholic. And it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. What about the Savior? Do you know the Savior? Maybe you're here today and you're just visiting and, and you're like, you know, someone invited you like the, the uh, thank you Sunday that's coming. Uh, someone invited you and you're here and you're like, listen, this is not my normal uh, circumstances for me. Let me tell you, it's about the Savior. And, uh, you know, the name of the church is Lighthouse Baptist. It's about the Savior. It's not about the Baptist. It's not about the Catholic. It's not about any of it. It's about the Savior. And Jesus says, if thou knowest the gift of God, he's saying, if you just understood what you're saying. Uh, she knew the cultural history where it talks about the children and the cattle. She heard the stories. And if you go back in time and you see uh, uh, there in, in the Old Testament, you can read the stories of the wells and all of that. And she knew that. And, uh, you know, some people say, excuse me, uh, Let's look at, at what's next. It says, uh, who saith is that? It says, the knowest the gift of God. Who saith is that? Uh, do we know Jesus? Uh, you know, she knew that he was a Jew. Look at verse number nine. It says, uh, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that being a Jew? So she knew that she was Samaritan. And she knew that he was Jewish. And she knew that that made a difference. Uh, but should it? It should not. Uh, she knew this, and so often uh, when we as Christians are going, uh, let me see, when are we as Christians going to stop, look on the outside, and start seeing the world as Jesus does? Uh, this light is clearly saying, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. Uh, we're different. We're not the same. Uh, how, how can you relate to me? And, you know, we're biased to the point that we want to decide where we bring the gospel. And, uh, you know, I, I think about um, uh, different times in my life. I've been in places that I'd rather not be. What that was was being biased on where I bring in the gospel. And uh, from 
you know, dirty home environments as you visit bus kids, uh, hospitals, dirty, nasty hospitals, and, you know, you get consumed with an environment where you're bringing it to different people, different cultures, and different religious backgrounds. But the truth is we need to see people as Jesus sees them because we're commanded to go to all the world. That's the cry of the Savior. That was the last thing that Jesus said was go tell them the good news. Uh, sometimes I wonder if our go is broken and if our go is broken. She knew here, this woman knew uh, that she was not accepted as she was. And that created a division uh, which am I a woman of Samaria, is what she says. You see, culture told her that she was not accepted. Uh, you know anybody like that? Uh, today, culture tells us different things. Uh, in Sunday school, we spoke of lepers and how they were unaccepted in different things. Culture told her that she was not accepted. And Jews were better, was the culture there. But if she had known who she was talking with, she would know that the gift of grace, the gift of the grave, and the gift of the giver of life, she would have not said this. But what a Savior that we serve uh, today. You know, uh, at best, we're horrible. Uh, at best, we're wicked. Uh, over in, I think, Colossians, it says we are wicked sinners. At best, in the sight of God, we are wicked. At best, in the sight of God, wears a dirty rag. That's encouraging, isn't it? But it's true. Outside of Christ, outside of God and His sovereign grace, at our best, we are horrible. Dirty as the dirtiest rags are sin before the Lord. God Himself cannot be in the presence of our wickedness. And we need to have the connection with the Savior to bridge what we cannot do ourselves. Mark 5 talks about a sinner filled with demons that ran and fell before the feet of Jesus. This is how we ought to approach Christ, as a sinner running before the Savior. Then it continues on in verse number 10. It says, give me to drink. Give me to drink. Jesus turns the tables on this lady. She's talking religion. She's talking politics. Those are things you don't talk about, right? She's talking about, the other thing we don't talk about is coming up, but we won't talk about it. She's talking about all this stuff, but he's like, listen, you're not, you don't understand who you're talking to. You don't understand if I asked of this, what you would get. And as Jesus turns the tables on her and tells the lady, if he knew, how many would come to Christ if they only knew? They only knew. How many would be lost, that are lost, would be found? How many that are blind would see if we just had someone to show them the way. Just show them the way. How many deaf would hear if they were just told the truth of salvation? How many would turn from their sin and turn to the Savior if they only knew how? Paul deals with this in Romans. He says, how can they hear? He's saying, how can they have faith? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can the lost hear that if we don't tell them? Uh, do we have a personal plan of salvation? Or, I'm sorry, of evangelizing? Do we have a personal plan of attack? I don't think I have any on me. I normally have tracks on me that I hand out during the service. Uh, but do we have, are we ready to give an answer for our uh, salvation, for our Savior, 
and to represent him well. Jesus, after his resurrection, was walking along the road and began to teach others. He was on just doing his whatever life, you know. I mean, I think that was a divine thing he did, but he was living his life there, and others were with him, and he just told them the gospel. He started with Abraham and went all the way through and shared with him, him, because he was Jesus, right? Are we telling others about Christ? In Luke 16 is the record of the rich man in hell. He says that if somebody told his brothers about Jesus, they would believe. I mean, what, a, what a passion this man in hell had for somebody to tell his brethren. Friend, I believe that we must be actively telling others about Jesus. And then it the, continues on in the verse number 10. It says, If thou would ask them, he would give them living water. Water from the Savior is eternal life. It's living. Uh, who is that guy that was looking for the, the well of eternal life? Ponce something. Yeah, he never found it. But I hope he found the Savior. And then he would have found everlasting life. It's really kind of silly to think about. You can go drink water and then have everlasting life. Did you? You're 106, so. <laughs> That's funny. And, uh, but I tell you, you know, water from the Savior, it's everlasting. And uh, we see in verse 13 and verse 14, Jesus answered and said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Think about all the things people do. Think about uh, Buddhists constantly meditating, trying to achieve a level of peace, and they never do. Or uh, Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on doors, trying to gain higher status in their cult. I think about Catholics constantly playing with their beads, trying to confess to a, another man. They're constantly doing, 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 and fail constantly. And that's what he's saying here. If you drink, in verse 13, drink of this water, pointing to the well, you thirst again. Verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's awesome. That's awesome. You drink, you get thirsty. You eat, you get hungry. You do this, you have to do it again. And everyone want to pull weeds out of your garden? They'll be back in the spring. It, it, there's nothing like the everlasting water of God. And, uh, you know, the life-giving water of Jesus, it's eternal. Some say that you can lose your salvation, but this is garbage because it's an everlasting life forever and ever with the Savior. Why would several times the Word of God, as our authority, tell us that life in Christ is everlasting if it could be lost. And Jesus very clearly says, if you drink of his water, you will never thirst again. Verse number 34. Uh, by the way, over in Zambia, I don't know if you've heard, maybe not if you don't support anyone there, over in Zambia, the president, whatever title he has as the ultimate leader, requested that every civil servant, military, government, uh, education, get a copy of the Word of God. And 90,000 Bibles are being shipped to Zambia right now. And uh, so pray for that. And that also means it's noon, because I get a, a message at noon to remind me to pray for Zambia, which means I should go quicker, huh? You know, verse 34, 
you read that, it says, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish his work. Finish his work. When I think about this, uh, you know, I've been in kind of all kinds of building projects, and uh, including our trailer over there. It's not finished. Uh, if you go in there, you'll see things, and you'll be like, uh, why does he have tape around the door? Well, it's because it's not finished. We'll get there eventually. But the work of Christ must be finished. It must be completed. And uh, I enjoy building things and looking back and looking at it going, man, this looks great. And, uh, you know, even this room here, I helped drywall it along with our brother back here. And when I left, it was ugly and dirty and nasty. And then I came back and it was finished. And it just looked great. And it was wonderful to see. You know, in verse 41 and 42, it says, So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own words. What happened here is this lady accepted Christ, proclaimed that he was a prophet and he was the one that they were looking for, and she went back to the town. She went back to the town. In fact, it continues in verse 42. Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. You see, this whole city was changed. This whole city was changed. See, when you drink the everlasting water of the Savior, it doesn't only affect you, but then it comes out of you and affects others. And she went back and she got more people and brought him to Jesus, or brought them to Jesus. And for two days, Jesus stayed. By the way, it was where he must needs go because it wasn't where he was supposed to be, quote unquote, right? But now for two days, he stayed and he shared uh, the gospel. He shared himself. He taught them. And they believed because they heard. And let me summarize. We'll close. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must be proclaiming the Savior. We have a lot to talk about. But the only thing that's important is the Savior. The only thing of eternal value is the Savior. Do we know the Savior? Do we share the Savior? Again, in verse number 10, Chapter 4, it says, If thou knewest the gift of God, how many would be saved that you know, that I don't know, because you told them the gift of God? If thou knowest the gift of God. Um, I can say with confidence that there's nobody in here I know where you live. Therefore, I don't know your neighbors. Therefore, I will probably never bring them the gospel. But you can. And you should. And you should. If they only knew, they would believe. Father God, help us to love you enough to tell others about you. Father, we're thankful for salvation. We're thankful for the cross. But Father, it doesn't stop there. We must live our faith out. Uh, faith without works is dead. Father, help us to love you more. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 295. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. 
if you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.